from the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you are listening to The Close-Up. Each week we present in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in filmmaking. It's August 5th, 2015. I'm Michael Odemark, one of the show's producers. Today we're featuring two films that screened in last spring's New Directors New Films, our annual showcase of up-and-coming talent, presented with the Museum of Modern Art. First you'll hear Israeli filmmaker Nadav Lapid discuss his new film, The Kindergarten Teacher. After that, we'll go to a discussion with Marielle Heller, whose auspicious debut, The Diary of a Teenage Girl, was the festival's opening night selection. Nadav Lapid's The Kindergarten Teacher opened here at the Film Society last weekend. It tells the story of Nira, a teacher in Tel Aviv who becomes obsessed with one of her students, a five-year-old poetry prodigy named Yoav. Jonathan Romney of Film Comment chose it as his film of the week and said, it's the convulsiveness of Lapid's film that makes it beautiful and beautifully perplexing. Following its screening at New Directors in March, Nadav Lapid joined festival programmer Dennis Lim on stage to talk about the film. Let's go now to their conversation. I don't know if everybody knows, but the poems in the film uh, by Yoav were written by Nadav um, from age, what, like four? Yeah, I mean, when, when I, th- I guess it was my, my uh, you know, my, my, my creative climax at the period when, when I was... <laughs> When I was when I was um, more or less the age of the the kid, even a bit younger, I had this tendency to declare um, just like that. Uh, I have a poem, and then uh, my, my babysitter, my nanny, at the period would have taken out a pen and a piece of paper and started writing uh, uh, um, the sentence I mumbled while walking from left to right and from right to left. And um, actually, Hagar, the first poem in the film was the first poem I wrote, and Hagar was an, elder, an older sister of a friend from the kindergarten, uh, 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 which, in which I was, I was deeply in love with her, but she was seven years old, and I was four years old and a half, so it was, so I must say, no, it's a funny story, because I, I thought that it, it was kind of desperate love, and, 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 and the only thing I could have done is writing the, the poem, and, and when the film was released in Israel, not long ago, so, they made kind of interview with me, and I, I told the story, and I said, well, it was a chanceless love, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then she, she contacted me on Facebook. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was crazy, because I haven't seen her since I was four years old and a half, yeah? And she contacted me on Facebook, and she told me, listen, I must, I must correct a mistake here. I mean, you're wrong. I, I was also deeply in love with you. And, uh, and, and although you were, and you were very young, yeah, she also was so old, yeah, she was seven years old. But, uh, but um, yeah, and it, it turned out that both of us, like, 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 I don't know, like heroes in the book of Jane Austen, both of us we were tortured by our, you know, our, our love without having the capacity to tell each other. And, yeah. Anyhow, so, so, so Aga was the first poem, and, and the last poem was... was uh, a separation poem, the one who ends the, the movie, uh, which in a way was, uh, I guess, also separation from uh, from poetry, uh, uh, because um, 
there's also a story of this poem, but you know there, there are too much stories, so let's leave it aside. But uh, but uh, th it was m the last poem I, 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 I recited, and since then I've I've never recited or wrote a poem in my life, and uh, and today I don't have the capacity to write poems anymore. I mean I can't imagine myself writing a poem, and these poems were 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 kept in a drawer in my at my parents' house for almost 30 years without, uh, I mean, no one, especially not me, I never looked at them, I didn't want to hear anything about them, uh, till the day I opened this drawer, and this was in a way the genesis, the beginning of the, of, the, of the movie. Can you say a bit more about that? Like what, was there something that compelled you to return to this childhood trove of poetry, and, and also why, why make a film about this? I mean, I, th I think this, it's, it's interesting that you know the idea of making a film about poetry, about words, is it's in itself. I think I think interesting. But can you say a bit more about that? Yeah, uh, I think that technically what made me open the row was I have a kind of strange tendency. Whenever I make a movie, two weeks before the shooting, I found I find a completely different uh, theme I would like to talk about, and then I don't understand what I'm doing this film instead of the film I'm thinking about. So. Just two weeks before I, I, I went on, I started, began the shooting of Policeman, which is a completely different film about, about a, a policeman from a special unit of, of, of anti-terrorist anti unit, etc. And, and the terrorist, uh, like uh, young Israeli radicals, I think I needed in a way to, to, to I don't know, to detach myself from all this a masculine environment of policemen, and I looked for something different, and, and suddenly, in a strange way, these poems came to my mind, and I decided to look at them a little bit. Uh, um, and, and, and I think, that in a way, the interesting thing there was that, you know, I don't have any concrete memory of myself uh, writing these poems, uh, reciting these poems. I mean, I, I don't have any concrete memory of my childhood, so suddenly the only thing that existed was the text, was the words, and 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 I had to deal with the words uh, uh, a little bit like the kindergarten teacher. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's something in poet child that that transforms in a way. I think the poet to be transparent, and suddenly the words are there. I mean, the words appear. The words is in a way the only thing that exists, and and and. And I understood that, that, I mean, for me it was dealing with the words, dealing with the text, and also while talking about poetry, trying to turn poetry to a substance, not only to, um, I mean, I told myself that the words must have a real presence uh, on screen. And uh, why poetry? I mean, uh, it's a good question. I mean, I think, I think that for me, in a way, you know, the film deals with poetry, but at the same time, poetry can stand for a lot of other things. Uh, uh, poetry can stand for certain sort of cinema, certain sort of art, and even certain kind of sensitivity that is, that, that I think it has certain characteristic. Uh, 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 let's say that it doesn't, it doesn't uh, uh, obey the logic of, of, of uh, of um, of gain and loss, you know, kind of kind of uh, 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 utility, a certain way of thinking that maybe we can call 
capitalistic way of thinking, but and 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 also it has something arbitrary about it. It has something that that that, that I mean that can never be explained. It 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 began out of the blue and it ends out of the blue. It's strange to ask a poet, why did you write this line? Or, or, or what, why, why didn't you, I mean, could you think doing a sequel of your poet? I mean, all these questions are strange. I mean, there's something in, in poetry that insists on, on, on being, you know, between, between, between a, a, a vague and, 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 and vain thing on one hand, and on the other hand, maybe the most deep, the deeper, and the 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 the, the, the most ultimate experience, and and in a way, I have a feeling that all of this is in a kind of kind of danger of of of, of extinction or vanishing, or at least losing the the predominant position that it that it must have. Because I think you know, there's something about about, for example, poetry. That on one hand, you know, it's a man or a woman. Uh, I don't know, sitting in 3 a.m. in front of their computer or in front of a piece of paper and writing some words. So it's very intimate and very small. And on the other hand, uh, 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 I think that basically, when you when you write a, a, a poem, you talk to humanity. You talk to the. It's, it's a little bit as if you stand on the moon and took, talking to, to to the earth. You talk to mankind. You talk to the history of mankind. You talk. You talk, and, and, and sometimes, of course, you touch the most uh, uh, sincere and, and truth uh, human experiences. And there is a moment, I think, that I mean, when poetry becomes marginal, marginal from the sociological point of view, when uh, uh, reading. Reading um, poetry, reading uh, evening, uh, you you see the same the same very very small public, the same twenty thirty people, etc. When it became marginal, and when this marginalization enters into the poems, in a way you ask, what's the use? I mean, I, I think that poetry, art, cinema, I think that if they are not extremely important, they cannot exist as a kind of um, hobby. Would you say that there's, on some level, this the the ambition was to rethink the idea of what a poetic cinema could be? Because I feel like when you talk about poetry and cinema, you think of a certain lyrical, you know, maybe abstract kind of thing. But I feel like the for me the most poetic thing about this film is its um, ambiguity. It's the way that it's completely open. The the child is completely inscrutable, and her motivations are also quite opaque and to me that is I think the most poetic thing about the film yeah I, I mean I agree that that in a way in a way as I said a little bit when I was talking about 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 poetry I mean I felt that the the film must contain uh, 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 and maybe not long ago someone asked me what is it poetic cinema for me and I, it was really hard for me to you know we used way too much this notion, poetic cinema, and, or poetic in general. And it was hard for me to find a definition, and um, definitions are always a little bit problematic, but I told me, uh, the closest I could get is to, to say that there's something, there's a kind of, as you said, kind of secret, kind of mystery that cannot be revealed. You know, and for me it's a little bit parallel to this mystery, 
because there is the, 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 the recurrent question of the kindergarten teacher, where do the words come from? I mean, she really insists on this. She, she wants to know how does it happen? I mean, how does the mystery happen? And I think that, you know, in a way for her, I mean, we all people, I don't know, amazed by, by, by art, for example, we have this dream, I think, you know, like being on a set, watching uh, 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 David Lynch working and understand from where does the, the blue velvet come from. Uh, and in a way, we, we can fantasize that if we, we would have followed him in, in each stage of, of the creation, we, we would have understood. I mean, we would have, first of all, from where the, the, the idea came from, then we would have watched him writing the script and follow his versions and waking up with him while eating his breakfast, etc., etc. Cetera, et cetera. And then we... And she has, you know, this, but, but David Lynch wouldn't permit us to do this, I mean. But, but, but she has this, this, this huge opportunity because it's a five-year-old kid, so she can look at him while reciting his poems, and she can also uh, provoke his inspiration, uh, 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 smashing an ant in front of his... But of course, it, it, it stays ambivalent and mysterious. Uh, exactly as you say, like, like her means, like herself. She's also... A lot of things. I mean, I mean, at the same time. You said that this is, on some level, a reaction to Policeman and a kind of very different film. But I think there's a certain similarity. I mean, Policeman was about, a, among you know, about a group of young revolutionaries, and there is something very extreme about the kindergarten teacher. Very, the way in which she protects the child, the way in which she rejects the world is like kind of a, this. In, in, it's sort of a, in a very fundamentalist kind of way. Can you talk about wh why you're attracted to this, what you think is interesting about this ex extreme behavior, extreme mindset? I think that, yeah, I think that as you said, like the kindergarten teacher here, she's, I mean, apparently she's, uh, not, uh, not only apparently, she's 40 and some, and, and beat uh, 43, 42 years old, lives in a suburb of, in a small city or suburb of Tel Aviv. She has two kids. Uh, she's a kindergarten teacher. I mean, she's, simple woman, and yet she's aiming very, very high. I mean, I mean, I think that not only she wants to save the kid, and not only she wants to save the kid's uh, poems, and not only she wants to save herself or give a meaning to her life, I think that she really wants to change the curse of history. I mean, in a way, she wants to change the world. She wants to save the world. I think, I think you know, for her, these four uh, lines of, of Hagar, I mean, she really believed that it's exactly like it completely changed her life, uh, hearing these this words. She really believed that, that, that it's either like, you know, a kind of atomic bomb that she's going to throw on vulgarity and stupidity and, and all this endless nonsense, or that it would function exactly like it functioned for her, that once the world would hear Hagar, things would never be the same. I mean, I mean, I mean, the, 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 the earth would stop, you know, turning around. So things things would, would, would change in a radical way. And in a way, I think during, let's say, at least the first one hour and a half of the film, she's, she, she's trying to, 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 to create this, 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 this ceremonial moment when the, finally the world wouldn't be able anymore to ignore Hagar or to ignore poetry. Uh, um, and, and, and I think that for me, in a way, 
it comes from my from my from my my uh, uh, ambivalent attraction to this notion of revolution. I mean, you know, it's a kind of combination of 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 the the, the feeling that I think a lot of us share that it's just impossible that life or society or the world is 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 only what it is i mean that it's just impossible that it can be uh, uh, better smarter deeper uh, uh, um, that there's something not really sufficient about life and this 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 aspiration to 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 change it and at the same time the understanding that this this change is 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 in a way impossible. I mean, if I think it's impossible because I think that it's impossible to declare war or to go to a war against our time, against our age. I mean, I mean, this kindergarten teacher, she's going to war against her own time, and, and, and like a lot of other radicals, I think she suffers from the same diseases that she, that she tries to heal. Uh, uh, this is what happens, because you, you, you're proud of your own time. I mean, you, you, can, you can declare war against it, but at the same time, you belong to it. So it's a kind of, I don't know, it's a kind of um, trying to break a wall, knowing that, first of all, the wall, it will be your head that will be broken, and that, in a way, the wall is, is also by yourself. Great. Well, we'll take some questions from the audience. Yes. I'll repeat. The question is about the last poem and this allusion to poetry and whether that contradicts um, sort of a, maybe a premise of the film or what you've been saying about the marginalization of poetry. I don't share this puristic vision of, of poetry that, that the kindergarten teacher has. I think, you know, in the film, I think that the kindergarten teacher looks at, for her, there's, there's a clear collision between life and poetry, between vulgarity and poetry, between something something sublime and something that, that vulgar, filthy, uh, filthy etc., etc., uh, something practical and something unpractical, etc. For her, I think it's, 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 a, it's a permanent battle. But I think that it's not, it's not uh, uh, the vision of the film. I mean, in the film, I think that, that poetry in life, or poetry in vulgarity, or art in life, for one moment, there are two, two, two enemies, and, and, and even enemies, because it's clear that life would crush art easily. But, uh, but, but and then the, 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 they are like sisters. I mean, maybe you know, I think that, that maybe, Poetry and vulgarity are, 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 are sisters, not twin sisters, because I think that vulgarity is stronger and taller. But 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 maybe they they, they, they really they complete. Maybe they they, 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 they one oblige the existence of the other. Uh, uh, um, um, and you know, I think that even in, in the in the film, you see, for example, you know, there is this football foot, a football fan uh, a song. Uh, is it poetry? Uh, yeah, maybe yes. I think I think that, that at least you cannot reject it totally as 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 as, as vain, you know, as a vain thing. Uh, uh, and 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 even you know, I think that even at the end of the film, you know, there's something open on this on this kid's face because 
on one hand, one might, might say, okay, uh, he, gave up he gave up poetry, no, this was the last poem he wrote in his life, no longer really write poems, etc. So this is the end of poetry. This, we see here the beginning of a world without poetry, or, or when this kid will be adult, poetry won't exist anymore, etc., etc., etc. And on the other hand, one might say, maybe just now he's, he's meditating about his uh, next uh, poem, The Kindergarten Teacher. So I think, you know, it's, 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 very, it's, very, it's very ambivalent. I, 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 I wouldn't, again, I, I don't have this, this puristic vision of, of, of poetry, but, um, but I'm, at the same time, I'm terrified by a certain, certain dose of, 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 of vulgarity that I, I, I really feel sometimes that it's like a kind of tsunami, you know, that is going to, 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 to make us all sink. All right, we have time for one final question. Um, yeah. Question about the dance scenes. Yeah, I, r I really like dancing. I mean, first of all, myself, but also, I mean, I mean, I think there's something for me. I, I mean, I think there's something. Uh, um, let's say in general, I think you know the characters in the in the film, also in my previous one, uh, uh, or when they talk, or when they act, or when they move. Apparently, you know, it's it's a narrative movie, and then. The, they have dialogue and they talk one to the other, but I think that at the end, what they do uh, most of the time is to declare their existence. They, 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 in a way, what the, the, their main activity is to declare their existence in front of the camera, in front of the spectators. As in, you know, if you think about this, this monologue given by the, the father of the, of the kid in the restaurant, actually, he's, I think, you know, he's giving the, 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 the um, or is expressing the the the, the most essential uh, uh, um, most essential uh, ingredients of, of 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 his of his existence of his soul is 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 is, is showing himself to us. Is it's as if he's saying, "This is who I am. Uh, look at me." So I think you know there's something with dance that these dancings, on one hand, they are narrative scenes. I mean, the soldiers are dancing here, the kid is dancing there, the she dancing in the club. But it's much more than this. I think that in all these scenes, people are, are, are telling themselves, are telling who they are, exposing themselves by, uh, uh, while dancing and, and, and using the, the, the dance. I mean, I, mean, I mean, this dance, I think it's really a kind of existential declaration. Uh, 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 for them, the kindergarten teacher, is, she's dancing herself. She's dancing what she became. She's, she's and, 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 um, for me, there's something very strong from this point of view about about this moment when suddenly people, you know, burst in, in, in this dancing in front of the, the 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 lens of the camera, because I think this it's one of the of the most, on the one hand, uh, uh, open and mysterious, and on the other hand, powerful way to to to. To tell who you are, to declare your, 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 yourself. All right, well, thank you all for staying, and Nadav, thank you thank very you. much thank for being here.
You're listening to The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Want to experience the Film Society of Lincoln Center's rich slate of year-round programming in person? Then become a member today. Since the 1960s, the Film Society of Lincoln Center has introduced audiences to countless filmmakers from around the globe. Our extensive programming includes 5,000 screenings each year with new releases, retrospectives, special events, premieres, and annual celebrations like the prestigious New York Film Festival, New Director's New Films, Rendezvous with French Cinema, the New York Jewish Film Festival, and so much more. Supporters in their 20s and 30s can join New Wave, a membership program that provides year-round access to premieres, parties, and exclusive events. For more information about becoming a member of the Film Society, visit www.filmlink.com. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. My name is Minnie Getz. I'm an aspiring cartoonist, and I'm recording this onto a cassette tape because my life has gotten really crazy of late. Quit spying! I had sex today. Holy shit. This makes me officially an adult. He's fucked me seven times now. I really like sex. I want to get laid right now. The diary of a teenage girl boldly goes where no American coming-of-age movie has gone before, says Amy Taubin in a piece from the most recent issue of Film Comment, which you can read online at filmcomment.com. Marielle Heller's directorial debut stars Belle Powley as Minnie, a 15-year-old girl living in 1970s San Francisco. Minnie initiates an affair with the dense but beautiful boyfriend of her free-spirited mother, played by Alexander Skarsgård and Kristen Wiig, respectively. The Diary of a Teenage Girl was the opening night selection of New Director's New Films, and following the screening at MoMA, Marielle Heller joined festival programmer Marion Massoni to discuss it. Let's go now to their conversation. I've been practicing my prostitute walk. Watch. Um, Talk about the process of of doing an adapted screenplay. What was your process in taking this work and creating more dialogue, I guess, et cetera? Um, well, I worked on this script in two incarnations, first as a theatrical play and then as a screenplay, which were two very different incarnations. Um, and adapting a work that you love is really tricky because I started out with too much reverence for the book itself. Um, and I had to get to a point where I had to throw out that reverence a little bit and be able to let it become something new. And I was so lucky that the author of the book, Phoebe, understood that process because she's such an artist herself. She could really understand that in order to make this its own artistic endeavor, I needed to let go of my feeling of wanting to please her and wanting to do justice to her book, which I loved so much. So at some point I had to throw out that book and throw out my reverence and let it become something new. And that was, that was tough. And did it change a lot from, as you said, it was a theatrical uh, piece first? Yeah. Did it change a lot from that to something for the screen? Yeah, it definitely had to change and grow. There, you, it, the play was a five-character play, so much more contained, um, had a lot of really theatrical elements and um, similar nonlinear storytelling in some ways. But um, thinking of it as a screenplay, it opened up the world in a whole new way. Um, and so I think they both are... Both are great in their own ways, but very different. 
Okay, let's, we're going to start to see who has questions, even though I have some more, so we can get... Oh, that's going to be very easy. Somebody right here. <laughs> um, how did you find the girl? Um, Belle Powley, our lead actress. Mm -hmm. She's a British actress. And um, I found her through an audition tape. As I started casting, they were circulating my script probably to every actress under the age of 21 in Hollywood. And she had just been signed with my agency but she was living in London. And so she submitted a tape, and I really think nobody ever gets cast from audition tapes, but I, I watched her audition tape and was so floored by her. Um, and then eventually I had her and Alexander meet in New York, and the three of us sat down in a room together and we worked for a couple of hours. And then I really knew, okay, this whole thing is gonna work. She and I had the trust we needed. They worked well together. We could all talk the same language about the script. And so then it was, and now I can't imagine it being anybody else. She was just so incredible. Was she the last person you cast? Or because you said you already had Alexander. She was the last others? person I officially cast, although I kind of knew I was going to cast her for six months. I just kept auditioning and making, I, I auditioned tons and tons of women, young girls, and, and kept comparing everyone to her. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Okay, more questions. Over there. Did Anybody live in San Francisco, including yourself? I'm from the Bay Area. Oh, I'm no, from I, the East I, Bay. I, I didn't know. Yeah, I grew up in the East Bay, and so it was like returning home to make my first movie. So um, it was very much a family affair. Um, my sister-in-law was our costume designer. My brother was the composer. Um, my parents were on set every day that I would let them be there. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we called on favors. My father-in-law runs the Berkeley Repertory Theater, and so we raided their costume shop and their prop shop. Um, it was very much a family affair, and it felt like being in my hometown making my own, my first movie. It was exciting. Thank you. Yeah, I, I was glad that we got to do that. Yeah, it's great that it all sort of mixed together, so and you had San a real Francisco feel for the location. And San Francisco looks like the 70s still, so it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot that you had to do in, no. in terms of, of changing that around. Um, let me ask you this. Um, if anybody else has a question, they can raise their hand and we'll work our way to you. Um, I think everybody's still sort of taking it in. Yeah. Tell me, this. so it, it is your first film, and I'm, I'm always curious that did you, you knew you wanted to direct a film and do a screenplay, and you went out to find something and found this book, or did you read the book and were just compelled to make this film? I, I said this, I think, earlier today, that I, I didn't want to make a film. I just had to make this film. For me, um, I was really driven by this material, by this book, by this girl and wanting to tell her story. So um, I had just never felt so compelled by any story before. And I wasn't really planning on directing it originally when I first wrote the screenplay. But as I got further into it, I couldn't imagine somebody else directing my movie. So then I had to figure out how to direct it. <laughs> well, I think, you fi I think you figured that out. <laughs> Okay, we have some people over here, so... Getting lively. Um, you did an amazing job of manipulating the creep factor of on-screen sex, mm -hmm. where it was about her in times where we know we should have been creeped out, but she was enjoying herself with growing. What was the secret or process? Um, I'm glad that you felt that way. My intention was to really tell the story from her perspective, and because she didn't feel creeped out by it, I didn't want us to feel creeped out by it. 
Um, she doesn't view herself as a victim. She doesn't view herself as somebody who's being manipulated. So I didn't want us to feel that way about her. Um, and so I guess at every moment of writing and filming, I was just constantly trying to check in with where is Minnie in this moment? What does she need? What is she feeling? Where is she emotionally? And making sure that whatever we're feeling in the scene is mirroring that. Um, and so there are times where I think she hates him a little bit, and I hope we hate him a little bit in those moments. Um, but she thinks he's really sexy in the beginning, and so hopefully we think he's really sexy in his goofy way. And, um, you know, so I, it was really about just being with her emotionally. And I know when I think back on my own teenagehood, even in the moments when I was in the, the most danger that I was in, and I look back and I think, how did I survive that? I didn't think anything was wrong. I thought it was great. I was having a great time. So I didn't want there to be that kind of external adult judgment on the story as it was unfolding. Yeah, that's what is just so marvelous about her character and that whole thing of everything that she goes through. It's just, yeah, I sit there and I, all of a sudden I was like, I'm much older than her, but all of a sudden I was, I was identifying with her. Good. Not with the mother, not with anybody else, but with her. And when you did all this, and as you talk about this, was it also a process of you and, and Belle and everybody making sure that it was right Definitely. as you went through it? I think Belle and I had to, to establish a really, really trusting relationship. And we both loved this character who existed outside of both of us, but who we both felt like was us and was part of us. And so I think she and I kind of had a lot of conversations about kind of the big mini and who she was and what that meant. And then would check in with each other constantly about where she was in that emotional journey. And we also had, it was tough because she's a very young actress. She was 21 when we filmed. She's in every single scene in the movie. Um, so she had to be tracking this very delicate emotional arc through the whole film. And of course you don't film chronologically. So we rehearsed a lot and we rehearsed in order so that when we would go back, we could check in and we could say, remember where you are, this is what just happened, this is where you're headed, this is where you are in this journey, so that she could, because she had to hold everything in her. And she did that really well, too. There was, someone else had their hand up over there. Uh, there we go. I had a question, it was kind of related actually to what was just said previously, but, um, Many of the scenes shot, I thought you handled with such great care and consideration that what could have come off as um, exploitative actually came off as incredibly tender. So I'm just wondering, which shots were the hardest to like, keep that balance? That's a good question, and I appreciate it. Thank you. I think, it, um, I think that was a lot of... There was thoughtfulness throughout, hopefully, between me and my DP, Brandon Trost, and Belle and Alex and everybody who was working on these really, really delicate scenes. There was a lot of nudity. There was a lot of sex. There were a lot of situations that could have been handled in ways that would have made people uncomfortable. But I think we were, I, my intention was never to make the audience feel like they were being punished or it was uncomfortable too far that you felt like horrible about yourself and wanted to take a shower. And I didn't want my actors to ever feel terrible um so it was really about and i think there's just something about a movie being told from a female point of view and as a female filmmaker i just think without even almost knowing it sometimes i was just shooting things in a different way than maybe a male film filmmaker would have shot them i and but i was really careful and conscientious about most of the nudity you see is not in sex scenes it's definitely not 
meant to be like titillating nudity. It's mostly her in front of the mirror or, you know, really reflective um, because that was what interested me more. So um, all of those were very careful decisions and something that we were just trying to toe that line throughout every phase of the process. Yeah, there's just at one point, I think maybe they were on the boat, I'm not sure, mm. and I sit in the back of the house and she says, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to cry raped. rape, I'm, gonna be, yeah. I'm being raped. And the whole audience, it was kind of, we, we all kind of went, it was almost laughing, but, but not, I mean, it really Good. speaks to exactly what you, I think you were doing, because it was, wait a minute, this, is this, is this serious? This is serious, but she's still a teenager. And yeah. She, it was very interesting. I was hoping we were kind yeah. of always towing that line of what is uncomfortable and feeling like maybe this is okay and that you might have a moment in your own head where you're almost rooting for them at times and then go, what am I doing? Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I don't know if all the rest of it, I, I just kind of you know, heard that at that mm -hmm. moment. We all kind of in unison had these I like, love various those different reactions. Audible reactions. I love that. Exactly. Okay, let's see. Somebody right there. I think it's a wonderful movie. Um, thank you for making it. Um, I was curious about the budget for the movie. How much was the budget and how did you raise it? I, I, I'm not going to say how much we made the movie for, but it wasn't a lot. But, um, but I will say we had really brave financiers who came on board and who believed in the project and who um, really understood what it was. I had in my head that it was going to be harder to find people who wanted to support this project than it ended up being. Um, I think it really helped that I went through the Sundance Labs and uh, I wasn't just a lunatic out of the blue. But I, I don't know, there was a little bit of a stamp of approval there, but, um, but I felt really lucky that I found the partners I did who wanted to support the film, who are here tonight. Um, and then we just had to figure things out. I mean, making a movie that's set in a period, you know, as a period piece for not a lot of money is tricky, but, um, but we found a lot of ways around it. We uh, had friends bring their old cars to set and, <laughs> and um, a lot of Goodwill shopping and thrift store shopping. And um, yeah, and, and San Francisco still looks a lot like the 70s, so that really did help. And we, sh you know, just avoid, avoid cars, shoot into the buildings, that kind of thing. <laughs> To what extent did Aline Kaminsky influence the author, and was she at all involved in the project because the cartoons reflect a lot of her influence and they're magnificent? Um, definitely the author was very influenced by the underground 70s comic book scene that was happening in San Francisco, and Aline Kaminsky was one of a number of female comics that she looked up to, Diane Newman being another one. Um, and, and uh, the woman who wrote the book, Phoebe, really did write letters to Aileen Kaminsky and started a friendship with her. So when we started the project, we contacted Aileen, and she's wonderful, and she read a draft of the script and gave me some notes about her lines and how she would have talked, how she would have responded back to a young artist writing her letters. Um, so she, she was definitely very aware of the project and gave help where we needed, and... Um, and then our wonderful animator, Sarah, kind of took that style and took Phoebe's style of drawing and kind of created a real visual language based on what was happening in the 70s then and, and that whole comic book era and tried to really make it feel like it was hand-drawn, paper, tactile animation. And how did you, and working with her, I guess, too, determine where 
in the, you know, where in the film in various points the animation comes in because it's done, you know, very specifically and judiciously. Yeah. Um, Sarah was one of the first creative people who came onto the project. I think she worked for two years on the animation for this because she hand drew every frame. Um, so she and I did a lot of talking before we shot about ways and areas where we thought the animation could play and how to kind of storyboard out interesting, hopefully, ways that the animation could emerge in surprising ways. And then we found some stuff afterwards. In the edit, we would then sometimes find a little moment where it seemed like we could seamlessly transition the animation. So it was a combination. Obviously, shots like where she looks at her feet and then her feet animate and she starts walking down the street. We had to plan that because um, we had to get that shot. But other things, um, we ended up kind of finding the ways in which the animation could transition us. Um, and we just, we just tried to constantly push ourselves to think of new weird ways that animation could pop out, like the penis in the comic book shop and stuff like that. <laughs> One of my personal favorites. <laughs> and we love the little ending. Is it like a logo at the, at the, at the end of the film? Yeah. Um, you said that you um, got rid of some of your reverence for the story. How did the, how did the story change for you from reading it to doing the play to now to doing the movie? You know, I think, um, God, that's a big question. And hi, Andrew. Um, <laughs> okay, it's your fault, Andrew. You asked the hard question. Um, I think uh, a lot of things changed. I combined characters. I found ways to tell the story. I, I started to realize that certain characters were functioning in similar ways to other characters. It became more about this kind of grand arc that Minnie was going through and how to have some of the other stories that existed because the book is really long. The book covers more ground and has a lot more characters and goes into many different places. So it became about kind of finding what I wanted more the theme of this movie to be, which was her relationship with Monroe, her relationship with her mother, her relationship to herself. And how do these other stories play around that and help that story build and grow? Um, which I think is slightly different from how it was in the play, but essentially the same kernel of what that, what that theme was. Um, so it was a big evolution. It's hard for me to even remember. I, I was trying to count it up, and I think I did something like 85 drafts of the script in various incarnations. So if I went back and read my first one, I would probably be appalled. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it would be better than one I shot. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. I think, we, I think we came up with something really sort of brilliant at the end. I think we'll probably do one more question, and then we'll... Party. We'll party. Hello. Um, I read that you're an actress as well, and I was just wondering, this being your first film and this book meaning so much to you, how much did you let the actors kind of take their personal approach to the scenes and let them improvise or kind of stay true to the script or your point of view and stuff? I, I love actors, and I love working with actors, and I love, because I am an actor, I love the process of acting. And um, so, although we didn't improvise really at all on, because I was very attached to the words as I had written them in my 85 drafts, um, I did really listen to the actors, and there were a lot of times where one of the actors would have a note about something of, or something didn't feel right to them and I would rewrite based on how they felt. And um, we got to rehearse, which was really helpful, and we got to really... The actors were all so brave and I felt like were giving so much of themselves that if they felt like something 
wasn't ringing true to them. I felt like they knew their characters better than I did, and I needed to listen to them. So, so it was really a give and take. And although we didn't improvise, I felt like they all got to have a huge amount of creative input and to be really invested in these people that they had to bring to life. They had a lot on their shoulders. Well, I think that's it. I think you've asked great questions, great answers, great film. Thank you. Murray, thank you so, so much. Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Oatmark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.com, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.com. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>